Heard the call to build your small business? Make it happen with a .NET domain name, the place for dreamers for 30 years and counting. Visit keepdreamingup.net for tips and advice. Whether you're just getting started or looking to grow, that's keepdreamingup.net. You are locked on Warriors, your daily Golden State Warriors podcast. I am Daniel Lurie, your host, and so happy to bring you your team every day. With a couple of days off between games two and three, as the two teams travel from Oakland to Cleveland, I wanted to take one of the podcasts and talk a little bit about adjustments that we could see, some we will see, some we should see in this series as it changes. As many of you will know, this was an important transition point in both the 2015 and the 2016 finals, though in 2015, it happened, a lot of it happened in game four, and in 2016, there were adjustments kind of throughout, but some of it did start happening in game three. I believe it was game two when Kevin Love got his concussion. I could be wrong on that, but I want to start with one that there has already been reporting that it may happen, and that is the idea that Amon Shumpert could replace J.R. Smith in the starting lineup for the Cleveland Cavaliers. And there is a trade-off here, which makes intuitive sense, though I don't think it makes specific sense in the series. So the difference is, J.R. Smith is a far better offensive player, though he hasn't really produced so much during the series. Also, some of that is playing time. He only played 14 minutes in Game 2, and I I think he was around 20 in Game 1. So on the defensive end is where it makes sense, because part of where the Warriors have exploited certain plays, including one that was talked about on social media and various things, is the communication and everything between Kyrie Irving and J.R. Smith. And it is true that the Warriors cause tension almost everywhere in the defense, but with the guards in particular, because Steph Curry and Klay Thompson are very good at screening for each other, particularly when it is an off-ball action, and that can create a lot of strain because you don't want to create seams for either guy. They're both really good shooters, and so it's communication, it's everything else like that. And so on the defensive end, Shumpert brings a couple of big advantages. He's a better defender, just broadly speaking, I would say. And also, I think they can feel more comfortable with him on Stephen Curry for some stretches, though I don't know how comfortable Ty Lue is going to be with Kyrie Irving, theoretically, guarding Klay Thompson. That might be more of a kind of a switch situation more than anything else. I don't think that would necessarily change their base alignment in terms of who starts out on who in in each given possession. Also, Shumpert did a pretty solid job in the first half on Kevin Durant, so I think they can feel better about that matchup on a switch than what J.R. Smith has been doing, and I think he's better off better off ball and kind of managing everything like that than JR is who can get lost in it a little bit. That said, there is an absolutely massive cost when Cleveland is on offense because the Warriors do not need to guard him on Shumpert. And Shumpert pulls a really dangerous double for a team because you can help off him. You know, you don't have to worry about him in that way. So the consequences of him shooting are not as severe. This is kind of like when LeBron laid off Sean Livingston because he's not going to shoot threes. I mean, Livingston, of course, can shoot from the mid-range. Shump can, he got to the free throw line four times and made all four of those. But what makes Shumpert different is that he takes more ambitious shots than he should. And so what that leads to is a circumstance where his value offensively is actually more negative because he's willing to take shots than if he was, and then if he were reluctant. And it can go both ways. And, you know, it's kind of a continuum to a point, you know, it's how good and how frequently do you want to shoot and everything like that. But with Shump, that's a big problem because if guys lay off him, and they don't feel the consequence that, oh, he's going to burn us in some other way. And they think, oh, well, even if we close out to him slowly, maybe he's going to make a mistake. Maybe he's going to, you know, turn the ball over, take a bad shot, something like that. And so that's going to have spillover effects 
on both Kyrie Irving and LeBron James, because if you start Shumpert, he's playing with both of those guys. And the most likely outcome part of that would be Steph Curry being able to be more disruptive in passing lanes, digging down and everything like that, because he can be in the mix more if he's on him on Shumpert, because Klay Thompson is going to have the primary assignment on on Kyrie Irving. So you don't need to worry about him in that capacity. So my instinct is that the offensive downside is more severe than the defensive upside, especially considering the Warriors are still going to put strain on him. And, and Shumpert is not such a dominant one-on-one defender that he's going to take a piece off the board. So I would personally lean more towards J.R. Smith, but I understand why a coach sees a player who has been a disappointment, even if Smith has been better this year, when you're in the the cauldron that is the finals and making adjustments and all that kind of stuff, coaches sometimes move away from those guys because they just think, oh, this team has their number. And I think that would be a mistake. It'll be interesting to see if it actually happens. But I think the Warriors will get opportunities to exploit with Shumpert out there. And it also ties in with an idea that I've talked about sometimes with the Warriors, which is players can be good, but not necessarily be a perfect fit with other surrounding talent. And I think that's the issue of Shumpert in conjunction with Kyrie and LeBron is that you don't have that. And especially if they're going to play Tristan Thompson, which we'll talk about later, if they're going to play Tristan Thompson in those lineups, then you have two guys who you can defend a little bit differently. I mean, with Tristan, you have to keep a body on him in terms of the offensive glass, but it's a little bit different. So I think that would be a mistake. I could be wrong. It has happened before, but I I think that's a potential issue for the Cavs if they go to it. I'll turn to the Warriors for one, and it's something that I noticed more in Game 2 than in Game 1, partially because I think the opportunity presented itself more, which is... Ian Clark has done a nice job this year, particularly offensively, when they found that role for him as the off-ball point guard in the second unit. And really, whether they use Draymond Green or Kevin Durant as the kind of the linchpin of that group offensively, Ian Clark can function well, especially with David West. They have a great chemistry. But something that came to light more, as I said in Game 2, was he can't guard Kyrie Irving. Very few people can. And so that's not a scathing criticism of Ian Clark, but it is a problem that the Warriors have to deal with, especially because sometimes those minutes, whether it's early in the quarter or later, can happen to be when LeBron James is off the floor. And so in those circumstances, it becomes even more imperative to limit Cleveland's offense, especially Kyrie as a scorer, because he's not as good a distributor as he is a scorer. So what I would do when possible is when Kyrie Irving is in the game, don't have Ian Clark in the game. And there are a couple different ways you can do that. Stephen Curry is pretty locked in with his minutes. So the way that I would handle it is actually by using Patrick McCaw. McCaw is not as good as Ian Clark on the offensive end because He's not the cutter, he's not the catch-and-shoot guy that Ian Clark is, but he's a good passer, he makes good decisions, and he's been willing enough to shoot that I wouldn't be concerned about that part of it, but he is so much better defensively, and it's not like Clark is the straw that stirs the drink. It's a, Again, it's a trade-off, kind of like the Shumper jr thing I talked about before. It certainly is a trade-off, but McCaw gives you a guy who's a little bit bigger, who's just more capable defensively, who can fight through some of that, and w- w- Cleveland was doing a really nice job when Clark and Kyrie were out there together. It wasn't like that was the Warriors' base alignment. They actually were doing some of the stuff where they used this Curry-Clark-Livingston combination. They've done a couple different things over the course of the series, and they were just using their normal small, small pick and rolls and all those type of things to get Clark onto Kyrie. 
That's something that they usually do with Steph Curry, but they can do it with Clark, and Clark is worse on Kyrie than Steph is. So the best option there is to just separate the two of them. If Clark gets a, a couple fewer minutes, I don't think that's a big deal, really, for anybody in my cause not getting overworked. So I would go in that direction. I probably would not turn to Sean Livingston because Livingston's quickness disadvantage could be a challenge there, but if they want to try it, they certainly can. The next one is an adjustment that I'm not sure will be made, but it certainly should be. And Nate and I talked about this on Dunked On yesterday, but Cleveland needs to play Tristan Thompson. Thompson is their either best or second best defender, and he brings an element offensively. He's not going to stretch the floor or anything like that, but his presence on the offensive rebound forces the Warriors to commit resources to the glass and everything like that. And what we have seen through two games is that while Cleveland played better in game two, I thought they did a, a much better job, especially in the first half of challenging the Warriors defensively and everything like that, they are not going to have a good chance to win when they try to outscore Golden State. And that that was the angle that Coach Liu went for in Game 2, particularly. Channing Fry played 11 minutes, though some of that was garbage time. Kevin Love played some time at center. LeBron James played some time at center. And against other teams, those lineups have merit because Cleveland is so dominant offensively, and they can scrap it together defensively, that they're going to have an advantage on almost every team that exists, especially every team in the Eastern Conference. So I understand why they turn in that direction. The problem is doesn't work against the Warriors because the Warriors create this combination of very potent offense. I would say that the Warriors' small lineups are better offensively than Cleveland's, though it's a close call. The difference is that they're way, way better defensively. Help defenders are a significant difference. Rim protection is a significant difference. And then also just the resistance on the perimeter. Stephen Curry, in most of the small lineups the Warriors play, is their worst defender. He's significantly better to me, get possession to possession than Kyrie Irving, even though Kyrie's had some nice stretches, and better than Kevin Love. Kevin Love is often their rim, is their their center, whether he's the primary rim protector or not depends on LeBron James. So I think Tristan needs to play, and I think that he needs to be an important part of it. But something that Lou should consider, and this is something that I criticized Coach Kerr for at a couple points during last year's playoffs, is the idea of Maybe he doesn't work perfectly against Zaza Pachulia. So try him in other configurations. Try him against JaVale McGee. Try him against David West. And it might not work. Nothing is guaranteed. The Warriors are a really good team. But there are serious opportunities there that they are not exploring, and they certainly should, especially considering the Warriors, whether it's Mike Brown coaching or Steve Kerr coaching, have been so reluctant to go to green at center lineups, even in the finals, when the idea of straining green has not been as big of an issue. Now, people can point to green's foul trouble in game two as being a part of that, and I certainly think that's fair, considering Kerr actually turned to Durant at center, which I thought was a big pivot point in game two. But the idea of using the Warriors' rotations against them has been something Lou has done very well in this series. I thought that the idea of bringing in Channing Frye when JaVale McGee came onto the floor in the first half of game of two was a very smart idea. He's done that at kind of a couple different points where you know where the Warriors are going in a jump, and that's something I've also thought about in terms of Kyrie Irving, making sure that Irving and Clark are matched up as much as possible to the aforementioned matchup. So maybe that puts more Patrick McCaw, and I think that's totally fine too. So, so, 
Thompson gives them an element that they just don't have, and it ties in with one of Cleveland's just big structural flaws. I didn't talk about it as much on this podcast because this is a Warriors show, though I could have, but I was very critical that when Cleveland used their resources, both in the summer and then during the season, you know, they gave up a first round pick in the Corver trade. They got two players that didn't really provide as much value specifically against the Warriors. And in Jefferson's case, it wasn't so much him. It was that they gave him a little bit more money to stay. And instead, if they had used that room mid-level exception on a different player, somebody probably would have taken a pay cut to go there. Theoretically, they could have had both given themselves another option. And considering they've been so willing to go small... Having another perimeter player, ideally somebody who could defend, would be incredibly valuable now. And Corver just doesn't have a place to be in this series. He can make shots, but that's not enough. And he defensively can fight through things. He can execute schemes, but the Warriors know how to attack him. And he is not creating panic in the way that he did for some other teams. And he's not being left open in the same way because the Warriors are much better at scrambling and contesting and recovering. So Corver's not getting the opportunities that he is so good at taking advantage of. So they've used it in that way. And so that is another reason for them to go big more often is because if you can't go small, one of the reasons most teams can't pull off what the Warriors can do with their small lineups with Draymond at center is because they don't have the personnel. Because going with either a nominal power forward or even in some cases a small forward at center means that you have to have two or three, ideally four, other wings that can log minutes credibly. And the Warriors do that with Clay Thompson, with Iguodala, with Kevin Durant, sometimes with Patrick McCosh on Livingston. Cleveland can't do that. They have LeBron, who's one of the best wings in the world. He is the best. I would say he's still, and I don't want to have that conversation, but I still think LeBron's the best in the world for right now. J.R. Smith can pull it off, but he's been marginalized in the series. And then you're left with Richard Jefferson, Shump. Really, that's about it. Corver is the other guy who's kind of in here, but I just talked about his weaknesses. So you're putting a lot of strain on guys that are imperfect fits in the series. So giving more minutes than the 21 they, they handed to Tristan Thompson gives them a little bit more leeway, a little bit more flexibility with everything like that. It also is worth watching that Kevin Love didn't look like he was moving right to me. I think it was his left knee. And if that continues, not only does that limit him offensively, just because part of what makes him special is his ability to kind of get to places on the floor, pull shots quickly. If your knee's not right, that can be that can be a challenge. But also defensively, if he's not moving perfectly, moving forward, the Warriors will be able to exploit that even more ruthlessly. That puts more strain on Cleveland's defense, and Tristan Thompson would really help with that. The last thing for the Warriors is something that they've actually incorporated at moments in this series, which is going back towards using Kevin Durant in second units. And this can be done in a couple different ways. One is the idea, which is kind of closer to what they've actually done, at least in the second quarter when Draymond got his foul trouble, which is give Durant a couple minutes at the end of the first and third, then bring him in at the start or real close to it of the second and fourth quarters, but do so with the intention of giving him a short rest at some point during it. And in the NBA Finals, there are a lot of stoppages and those stoppages are long. They're long commercial timeouts. So I think that there are avenues to give real spot rest to Clay Thompson, to give spot rest to Durant and then Draymond Green, depending on how they're going to use all three of those guys. So be a little bit more aggressive about it. Try to take that stretch where sometimes the Warriors are just trying to fight to hang on, turn it into a point where they're closer to having an advantage. And if Cleveland's going to keep doing what they've been trying so far, which is keeping LeBron James on the floor for the entire first quarter and then having him start the second, wear him out at that point. 
really make him work. And I think that can make a major difference in terms of where he is at the end of the first half and then at the end of the second half. And the other reason why that's worth considering is in games when the Warriors have an advantage and let's say they're coming into the second quarter with a lead, it takes away a time that Cleveland can push an advantage. And it also increases the chances of building a lead that is harder for them to come back on. The Warriors throughout this run over the last three years have become a very hard team to come back on unless their offense falls apart, which it has. You know, it did not only in that Christmas Day game against Cleveland, but I think back to the Memphis game, like there are times when they really do bog down. But the Warriors defense and then their ability to run in transition makes them a tough team to come back on because you really need to string things together. Their offense is so good. Their defense is so good. So if they can use that time like they did in game two in that beginning of the second quarter when they went on a, I think it was a 7-0 run and then I think it was totally like a plus nine when LeBron was out of the game, they need to use those when possible because it challenges Cleveland in a bunch of different ways at the same time. So I'm fascinated to see how that works moving forward. It's something that I want to keep an eye on. And then the last thing, I'm not exactly sure how this is going to work, but I want to see how Coach Kerr uses JaVale McGee in the rest of this series because McGee has done pretty well in limited minutes. I would say that by and large, Zaza Pachulia has too. And to see whether they can not necessarily squeeze more minutes out for them, but maybe be a little bit more creative about when they use them. Because at the same point, they should be using Draymond Green at center more frequently than they have. So how they strike the balance with the center rotation, if they're going to stay more robotic with Pachulia getting his, you know, six to seven minutes at the beginning of each half, then David West pretty much getting his five to six minutes at the beginning of the second and fourth, and so on and so forth, or whether they can get a little bit more creative with this and really start pressing the advantages. It might not become an issue. The Warriors are such a good team that they can have a good chance in the series, maybe even a great chance without going with their A game that often. But I want to see how they work that out. And we've talked over the course of the season about how the Warriors are unbelievable, especially defensively with the Draymond at center lineups, but they've been unstoppable offensively by and large with JaVale McGee at center. And Cleveland doesn't have that many defensive answers for those configurations. So maybe they tried in some different spots do some things differently, but I think it could really work. And especially when Tristan Thompson is maybe a little bit tired or if he's less of a focus for them offensively, defensively, maybe you try to make it work there because the other challenge with Cleveland, and this is why JaVale's not a perfect matchup in this series when you already have Zaza Pachulia playing well, is because JaVale on Kevin Love is a problem. And really at this point, or really this whole season, now that Mozgov is in LA, Tristan Thompson is the only traditional center that they play. Channing Frye is very different. Love is very different. So maybe there isn't a place for JaVale. Maybe they should go more with Draymond at center, but I want to see how they use him because he did a better job broadly on Channing Frye in the first quarter than I expected. And I think JaVale, you know, maybe it's at a certain point, depending on how you want to do the rest of your defensive schemes, you say, we'll sacrifice certain things in order to make this work. And they could also do something that they've deployed at certain moments against other teams, which is playing their center against someone else. So maybe you have JaVale in, but he's guarding Amon Shumpert, or he's guarding maybe even J.R. Smith. I think J.R. Smith might be a little dangerous, but if they're going to play Shump more than they have, then that's worth considering as well. So a lot that I want to see. Of course, don't have another game until Wednesday night at 6 Pacific time, but keeping an eye on all of those things. So thank you so much for listening. If you have any feedback on the show, good, bad, or indifferent, 
different at Danny LaRue on Twitter, Danny LaRue NBA at gmail.com. If you take the time to write it, I will take the time to read it. No promises on response, but that's the way these things go. You can also read my analysis at The Athletic. I did both the game analysis piece and every player. Then of course you can listen to the game two breakdown with Tim Bontemps or the dunked on that Nate and I did about game two. If you want to hear more on that, and then it'll be a pretty standard setup as well for game three when that comes to pass. So you can also check out the Twitter NBA show. Nate and I will be bringing it back. I am not traveling to Cleveland for games three and four. So we will be doing the show there and you can watch with us. Basically, it's the way I like to think of it is you watch the game and then you have us talking. And if you prefer that to the commentary and some people do, it's been a really fun experience so far. You just follow Nate Duncan on Periscope. It's Nate Duncan NBA and we're on that. You also, I tweeted out and everything like that. So it's pretty easy to find if you're looking for it. So if you want to support the show, a lot of ways you can do it. You can leave a rating. You can leave a review in the podcast player of your choosing. You can spread the word however you see fit, word of mouth, social media, whatever makes you happy. And you can also subscribe, download every episode. Those are big things for this podcast for any other. I really do appreciate it and and all the kind words. And we've been doing really well recently. So I appreciate that so much for everybody. So thank you so much for listening. Take care and make it a great day. With the holidays around the corner, now's your chance to save time and money at Safeway Stock Up Sale. Plus, earn four times gas reward points on participating items. Look for tags on items like Honey Nut Cheerios. Select varieties are four for $8 with your club card. And select varieties of Betty Crocker Cake Mix, Brownie Mix, or Frosting are 10 for $10 with your club card. Maximum gas reward at participating Sunoco stations is $0.20 cents per gallon and $1 per gallon at Safeway stations in a single fill of up to 25 gallons. Other restrictions, limitations, and exclusions apply. For complete details, go to Safeway.com.